Final game of the 2023 calendar year for the 76ers and this four-game road trip with a 2-2 two and two record after a loss tonight, 105-92. Hello, all, and welcome. Welcome for the second time today to the Sixers PHLY Sixers postgame show in this form, earlier emergency pod with Derek Bodner, Kyle Newbeck. I'm Devon Givens with you. Bree hanging out with us on this Saturday night. Uh, a loss tonight. I'm not going to say tough, uh, anything like that. It's, it's just, tough to watch. It's tough to watch. Uh, but for them, it was just simply second night of a back to back. Uh, final game again of this road trip. A very good win on Friday night. Good win over the Orlando Magic. This one, they did not have it. Chicago Bulls were rested in their hometown, and they took down the Sixers fellas uh, tonight to give them their uh, 10th loss of the campaign. There's that. We've already got Dan Murphy in the comments calling it a schedule loss, which our good old pal uh, Doc Rivers would be quick to point out, and this is one thing I do sort of agree with him on. Not that any fans want to hear that from your coach ever, but... These back-to-back games are barely NBA games. When it comes to analyzing them, I don't put any real stock in them. When we, what can a team do? What can they not do? What do they need? What do, where are they good? Just toss it out. You want to pick up as many wins as you can, but that was borderline not even basketball today. I will say that these are there are moments in the season where I enjoy being on this side of it as I, I don't get as emotional as fans do anymore. And there, there's good and bad to that. I, I do really enjoy the swings back and forth where last night we're sitting here, the comments, yep. Twitter, everywhere else is like, God, I love this team. Got to keep them <laughs> together. No big trades. Like bring in role players. Lawrence coming in hot in the chat, the chat tonight. They better trade for marketing <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's like that swing that happened so quickly in 24 hours, essentially. And look, I'm, Lawrence, if Laurie marketing is available to be had, I'm with you, buddy. Go and get the one of the best three-point shooters in the entire league. All I'm saying is, you know, we just we ride the roller coaster here, and sometimes it's tough to actually sit here and analyze and talk about the Sixers for 45 plus minutes. This is a game that just comes down to to me anyway. They had absolutely no legs yeah. in that game. I think every way you see that manifest in a basketball game shows up, right? Like Tyrese Maxey, way short on, yep. I would say, the majority of his outside shots. Certainly wasn't the only guy front-rimming shots. I thought in the energy categories, so things like rebounding, you know, we were talking about it at one point. The Sixers were leading the Bulls in offensive rebounds at one point during the game. 12-10. And, and Derek pointed out to me, he goes, yeah, that's because the Sixers have <laughs> missed most of their shots. And as a percentage of their misses, I think the Bulls at that point, I don't know what the final tally was. Final tally is Bulls rebounded 43% of their missed shots, Sixers 26. Yeah, so despite the fact that the Sixers came down with a bunch of offensive rebounds, Chicago pounded them and pounded them and pounded them. And some of that is about a matchup, right? Andre Drummond against guys like Mo Bamba and Paul Reed. 23 can, by himself. Yes, who he can move around, throw out of the way. Even when he's not the guy getting the rebound, he's just drawing all that attention onto himself, freeing up some other guys. But I thought you could see the lack of legs on the glass, certainly. I thought the compete level was pretty yeah. good throughout the night. I thought the, the effort was there. The want to was there. And... There are going to be nights like this in a long 82-game season where 
you can't buy one. And unfortunately, that was true for basically the entire roster. If this is one of my real pet peeves with announcers, they'll talk about the rebounding battle and they'll look at total rebounds or the offensive rebounds. Oh, they, they locked up 12-12 in offensive rebounds. No, one team missed 56 <laughs> shots, the other 39. If the team that missed 17 fewer shots had the same number of offensive rebounds, they destroy the other team on a glass. To your point, though, Outside of maybe one person, which I'm sure we'll get to, I really didn't have a problem with any real effort level. Uh, I thought for the most part. Oh, I'm actually curious who the one person's going to be. Even, That's a even, nice oh, teaser. I'm pretty sure you can figure it out. <laughs> I think we know. <laughs> even offensively, like I felt like Tyrese was attacking. I felt like Tobias was attacking, especially early. Like I thought the effort was there. They just, everything was short. Tobias on his pull-ups, he was taking a 12-foot pull-up that was going 10 feet. Tyrese on his, his threes, he made a couple because he's great and he can do that, but consistently it just wasn't there. And this was one where it, it was a little bit like the other night where you look at him like, the game isn't actually that far out of reach. They have a chance. It's a four-point game. But then for a you lot mentioned the like they half. were they were down nine points with like seven minutes to go, and it's like, I don't know if they can score nine points the rest of the way. It just felt insurmountable, even though it was a close game. Yeah, and, and look, when you were talking, you just mentioned it four. I was going to say, they were down four in the third quarter, and I wrote in my notes, and it was very simple. They're down four, and they have no business being down four in this game because of the shooting. You and I, I know we wrote in our notes. Yeah. At the, the moment we were talking about this, they were 22 of 60 from the field and down four points in the third quarter. That yeah. was insane. Insane. So, yeah, it was they had no business, absolutely no business being in this game uh, the way that they were down four in, in the third quarter. They even cut it, I believe, in the fourth quarter also a little bit later on. Did not write it down at that point, but it was just, okay, Chicago, yeah, they're probably going to be the ones that turn it up and they do generate that run that really puts it away. And they eventually did. But when you talk about the effort level and the want to guys trying, they had good looks. They looked like they were, they were getting good shots and they were uh, some good attempts, some questionable things here and there just because of that's how the flow of a game goes, especially when you're trying to use that extra energy when you know you played a, a very competitive game the night before and against a much better basketball team, and you're trying to get that extra push, that extra thing that will make me make this shot or allow me to put this touch on this pass to get where it needs to go or to get this acrobatic layup to go, and it just wasn't there. And, and I, think, I, I think for the most part, many of us, all of us saw that uh, tonight, and that's how, that's how it really played out in the game. Box score is what it is, but... Sixers fall in this one, and and we don't have to come in here and say, oh, man, it was tough. No, it was tough to watch, but it wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a tough game for the Sixers to lose. It's just the flow of a season, and this, this one wraps up their four-game road trip. I, I want to – we have a couple of super chats already, so I think this dovetails with the teaser that Derek laid out there. Our guy, Davon, shout-out to him, a.k.a. Schoolboy Beats, says – Bamba got out rebounded by someone <laughs> six foot five. And Derek, correct me if I'm wrong. That is who you were referring that was to. The one, yes. In yeah. terms of the effort, we have some other comments regarding Mo Bamba. I I just I can't do it with that guy, right? Like Derek and I are joking at one point toward the end of the game, saying, you know, he's a tall center, like guy who's got the tools in some ways to be a center, but he doesn't rebound. He can't defend in space. The effort's inconsistent. But, you know, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Like, I just can't <laughs> oh, stand. Too soon, too soon. Too I just soon. can't stand Give him another year. watching that guy play. I know he, look, when he's shot threes this year, 
That's been his point of strength. We talked about it when they signed him in the offseason. This week without Joel, watching him play spot minutes, backing up Paul, and at times, you know, playing minutes that Paul would have gotten in the past, the weaknesses are just too glaring with him. I I can't get over how much of a liability this guy is whenever he has to defend literally anybody in space. I'm pretty sure we could pull a random person walking by our, our offices tonight, maybe walking out of a local bar, brewery, whatever it may be, they might be able to beat Mo off the dribble. Now, they might be, not be able to finish at the rim over Mo, certainly, but, yeah. but you don't get there. to just stand still <laughs> right. and stick your arms up at the NBA level. So I can't do it with him anymore. And the worst part is, at least like Paul Reed, up and down game, I at least thought he had some good activity, created yeah. some turnovers mm-hmm. and things on defense. And he's drawing dead in some ways against Drummond, trying to defend him, keep him off the glass, all that. Mo is getting beat to rebounds by guys in small ball lineups. Drummond's on the bench. It's like, all right, now it's time. You start winning that rebounding battle. Get out come in, open like, floor. Right. End some possessions. Get out in transition. Push the pace. Do all that. And he's getting taken to the, the weight room by guys who are – half a foot shorter than him i i just he it was drives amazing. me crazy it was amazing to watch and one play we we all kind of looked at each other and said wow he you could see it happening you could see it developing where the i think it was taylor who had the ball at the top of the key and Mobamba was out there and he just ran right by him and it was like number number one who is Taylor again in the scouting report? And why is he running by? And I feel like I know a lot of basketball players. And I'm like, wait a minute, Taylor, who is that? And he's running right by Mo Bamba and getting to the basket for a scoop layup. And you knew as soon as he did it that he was going to lay him up. And that's a problem because it's not that we saw it right there in that moment. We have seen it in previous games also where he seems like, number one, all right, you don't have to be a fleet of foot, but that's where the length comes in. That's where that want to where, sure, you're going to get by me. You're going to put your body into my chest and try to, uh, you know, wall me off a little bit to prevent me from blocking that shot. But I'm going to use my offhand. I'm going to I'm going to attempt to make you alter that shot where you don't get a shot off. And his were the most minutes. And Derek, you you were yeah, one guy. It was there was one guy. Yeah, that's the one guy. Yeah. And that was like, when we were watching it, there was probably only one guy that we were regularly complaining about. And it was pretty much every time someone would say something, it's, oh, he's got to be watching a Mo Bamba play. It was like, on the one hand, like I said, the Sixers coming out and missing all these shots, you understand that. You come into that almost prepared with a game like this. Uh, it really does. The schedule has a massive impact. But some of those, you can, it's not like Mo Bamba's legs are tired. He barely plays. <laughs> he has enough to, you know, really fight for position inside he just wasn't doing it and by the way the funny part about terry taylor who you were talking about Devon, if you go to wikipedia and try to look up terry taylor (laughs) the first result is a retired professional wrestler he's this is no disrespect to him he made the nba he's one of the 450 like that's a great achievement all that not trying to downplay that but he's still so low on the totem pole that if you look for him, it's Terry Taylor, parentheses, basketball in Wikipedia, <laughs> which is like, you got a little ways to go, buddy. You got like, a long ways to go. Again, no disrespect. He played played well in his minutes tonight. He Certainly did. played better than Mo Bamba, who's, let's see, probably like seven or eight inches taller than yeah, he is. So. Yeah. Yeah, Terry. Terry he had that dog more. in him. I'll give him that. He had any guesses on where he went to, where he played college ball? Uh, I already know. So I don't know. Texas. 
Austin, PA. Wow. Tennessee. Okay. I didn't know that. Did not there know that. Go. Good for him. Made the roster. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's he, getting NBA minutes. He's so. getting NBA minutes more than I have ever gotten, even though Kyle had some minutes against the Wizards and the Pistons earlier uh-huh. uh, last month, or earlier in the month when the Sixers were playing and they checked Kyle into the game and got, got off some shots. So good for you, man. You got they one. burned the tape of that. There Nobody you go. wants That's to see okay. that. That's okay. You guys won that day, so it's all good. Well, we do have another super chat from our guy, Bernard, who says, hello, fellas. I know it's a back-to-back but I think we can win some more of the games without Embiid if we have a true backup center. Happy New Year. Uh, I feel like this has come up more and more. Obviously, this week it's highlighted because Joel's not playing. Well, I have one question. Randomly. We got, we got time to fill. It's not, not a great game. Okay. Who do you think the best NBA player from Austin PA is? Sheesh. Can you name one other? How about that? No, about I that? think it's Terry Taylor as far as I know. <laughs> Trenton Hassel. Ah, he was the really? only yeah, one I thought you guys had a chance of getting. Nah, I, listen, I like Trent Hassel when he played. There you are, didn't play there at are, a blue blood school. I'm not remembering. There are eight players in the, who have played in the NBA. It's pretty yeah. impressive. Okay. Good for them. So, to stick to what Bernard is saying here, during this week. <laughs> we can go to other random trivia if you want. <laughs> I, really I, we can get to random trivia at the end. I, I think, clearly, I think I'm out on Bamba. I, I can't speak for the two of you. If you're not out, I believe I mean, I think you're... we were. Like, I, I, didn't we argue he shouldn't have made the roster? Like, that was yeah. a debate, certainly, at the time. I'm not sure we were ever in on Bamba. Yeah. Had, a, had his one good game of the week against Miami. I'd say one of the, the guys that actually step up stepped up in that performance. But I, I do think there's still this lingering thought amongst a lot of fans that they don't have the the actual big guy like Paul Reed in, in a lot of people's minds is like he's masquerading as a center. Now I don't think that's necessarily fair to Paul. I think with the way the NBA has shifted smaller league, more athletic league, he's actually much more useful in a playoff backup center role than who you would think of as a traditional backup center, right? Because they can play the switch heavy lineups. He comes in, Joel's off the floor, it's like him, Kelly, Batum, Melton, guys like that. You know, we'll see how the roster shifts between now and then. But I think he's shown now he's a viable and legitimate playoff player. That's in a 10 to 15 minute role, depending on the game. Yeah. He is not qualified to play 30 plus minutes or 25 plus minutes, whatever or it's going to take. Or Joel or anything like that. Yeah, yep. he can't do that. And so there's been some pushback on Paul specifically over the last week where it's like, I don't know what people expect from a backup center making, what, $8 million? I think Paul's bad games are bad, but it comes back to that point I was making when we talked about Tyrese and Joel. I think it was either earlier this week or last week. I don't particularly care what guys look like when Joel's not available. Like, you want to win more games and, and perform better than they did tonight, certainly. But if Joel's hurt, this team has no real chance in the playoffs. So show me what they do when Joel's available and they're in their proper roles. That's a lot more meaningful to me, and I would assume to all of us, than you know, a back-to-back yeah. in Chicago where Andre Drummond's beating these guys up. I mean, look, do I worry about winning a game without Embiid? Yes, because there's probably going to be one series where he's out for two games and you've got to try to steal one. So it's relevant to a small degree, but it's not relevant like long-term. If he's out for a series, they're obviously cooked. 
And again, I think there's a lot. I still think there's some people who think Paul Reed is a, a power forward in today's NBA or just in general because of his body type. And I dis, I agree with what you said 100%. And I disagree with the sentiment that he is a power forward because I do want a switchable player as an option as a backup center. I do want somebody who's a rim runner. And that's really Paul Reed's only role on offense is to be a rim runner. Uh, and I thought one good sign today was that they came out and they ran a lot of Tobias Harris, Paul Reed pick and roll early where he was running, where he was getting deep into the lane. Letting him do that, I think, can allow him or at least put him in a spot where he can be successful more so than like he came out the other night trying to go ISO against Sangoon. That's not what I want to see yeah, at all. Please, no more of that. <laughs> so I think he is, and again, I think that the switching and the defending in space is a much bigger part in today's NBA than it was maybe a decade ago and certainly what it was two or three decades ago. So I think what you ask of, of centers has changed. Is he undersized for, from a traditional sense? Yes, but I would rather have that mobility, especially when you're talking about a backup to Embiid. Where I think we get into a debate is, would you like another option on the roster that maybe has a different skill set or a different body type? So on nights where Paul Reed doesn't have it, or nights when you, Joel Embiid's out, or nights when it's just a matchup that Paul Reed would struggle against, you can go to that option. I can understand that sentiment. Uh, and certainly when you look at Mobamba, he's not it. I think we all agree he's not it. So if you either want to get somebody included as a throw-in in a trade or somebody off of the scrap heap uh, when you get to cuts and waves waiver wire um sure i'm open to that discussion um but i would also like to see just a little bit more experimentation like they couldn't get a rebound today and covington played five minutes covington's one of your better forward I, I still i don't understand what they're doing throw with him covington out there in general throw batum or or covington as a small ball center just try other stuff that doesn't mean that you still wouldn't want a big body uh that you can throw in there in a specific matchup you brought up denver in a potential finals matchup yeah you'd like to have more diversity of options but I also don't necessarily think they're using the options that they have the best right now. And Nurse did put Marcus Mars to start the fourth quarter instead of Mo Bamba when Paul Reed needed the rest, something that we saw last night uh, in the win against the Houston Rockets. And just to go back to the point of the backup center, I, I think people also – it's number one thing, of course, is Embiid missing games. Mm -hmm. And you want somebody that you can rely on and trust on. And to the guy's points – over the last two playoff uh, appearances, Paul Reed has actually played all right. Fine. You can't ask him to do but so much because he is still Paul Reed in the role that he is Paul Reed. So you're asking so much of him. Secondly, once Andre Drummond played the way Andre Drummond did in the Sixers uniform before he was traded, that ticked a lot of people off because before him, uh, Dwight Howard was good, but when you got into the playoffs, he was really bad. You couldn't play him. And he was a brutal fit with Ben Simmons. Yes. Brutal. And before Dwight Howard, it was Greg Monroe and so many other names that yeah. we can run off that really tick people off. So when they Greg actually— Greg Monroe signed in like mid-March yeah, and he started playing a playoff against game. the Raptors. Yeah. So when you, when, you, when you have this conversation, people still remember Andre Drummond and what he provided. And then seeing it again tonight with the 22 rebounds because he did that in the 16 uniform when Embiid was out, yeah. people still want that. Ticked off that he went to Brooklyn, and then when he became a free agent, there were talks again about him maybe coming back, having interest. But Chicago threw a little bit more money at him. So uh, for them not to really fill that role once again with a player, the caliber of Andre Drummond to have that true center body type where people trust going against Jokic or Anthony Davis or Gobert, whoever it may be, Bam Adebayo, that, I, that's where I think people really 
Get, well, look, Paul Reed won the war that. against Anthony Davis. He absolutely so. <laughs> did. He absolutely did. But they, you know, they get stuck on that because of how good he really, he really was as a backup center, and they have not really had that in that type of production in terms of the numbers since he's since he left. Yeah, and and look, I'm seeing what some of the people are saying in the chat. Like X Man pointed out, he's like, well, the Bucks have several bigs. I believe he said, well, one of them, I, at least I think you're probably referring to Bobby Portis. He's a legitimate floor spacer, right. power forward type guy. Like he's been a mid thirties three point shooter for, I don't know, half a decade. <laughs> right. That's the, if you want it. Like I think here is what I would actually like. I would like the Sixers to have someone like Paul Reed who can also shoot the ball. Yes, like that would open up a ton of different things. That's a, I mean, how much did we lot. talk about the Minnesota game with Nas Reed? We, when we mentioned them, we said they have three bigs, and that's the th- you you cannot and both ignore. Towns and Reed can both you know do right. some things offensively yes. that the Sixers bigs yeah. outside of Joel obviously cannot. Mm-hmm. So that's I think that's a more salient point than they just need a true backup center. If Paul Reed could shoot, now if Paul Reed could shoot, he'd be making probably more than. $8 million, he'd be a guy who's pushing to start somewhere, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is that Paul is in – he's good enough to be in this 10 to 15-minute-a-game role. They do not have someone – like, to your point about Drummond, Drummond was unique in that he was a high-minute, high-production, flawed player at a previous – at multiple previous stops – who came here, and then once you put him in a small role, he excelled, but could also scale up to be that – 30 minutes on a off Joel, Joel's injured, Joel's resting, whatever. You get that former He could be that guy. He just gets in that mindset. Yeah. You can ask him to do some more things. They don't have that type of guy. Well, all I'm saying is I don't think that type of guy is really relevant to whether they're going to win a title or whether even whether they're going to win a, a second-round series or not. I do have a name for you guys, just because we talk about the Jazz a lot with Lowry marketing and we sprinkle in a little bit of Jordan Clarkson from time to time. But does Kelly Olenek do anything because of the stretching that we're talking about that Bobby Portis uh, provides for you when you look at Nas Reed as we talk about him being that third backup? He's not a traditional center-like the same way that uh, Paul Reed as we discuss him. But we also know that he's a guy that can get you from behind the three-point line. He does give effort. He can't jump like Nas Reed. He may not jump and give you that second effort the same as Paul Reed. But the outside shooting, stretching the floor, to your point, is something that he does provide. Sure. Yeah. Uh, no, they, they haven't had a legitimate floor spacing five in pretty much the entirety yeah. of and my And you might be able to sneak some minutes in there with him beat on the floor because of his floor spacing. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, the problem with him is he's a guy that the majority of contenders, sure, if he's available for a reasonable price, are going to be in on. And so then it becomes, are you willing to add something extra that might be better used in a big trade for a big chip? I would say probably not for the Sixers. But I look, that's the type of player that you keep an eye on you keep talking to Utah. Utah's going nowhere this season. Fast. Expiring contracts are likely to take a a close look at the vets who are on the roster and say, we're moving on from you to get something. Like I, I think that's one thing certainly that Danny Ainge has done historically on like Messiah's. If you're not part of the long term plan, you're out of here. So yeah, we'll say it. Like I wouldn't wouldn't hate that. I just sure. think that that's 
you know. Just it was just a, an option to throw yeah, out there sure. because of the type of player that we're talking about. Before we get to everybody else, we do want to tell everybody about our upcoming trip. Well, in a couple of months. We have a yeah, trip. Really <laughs> upcoming. Yeah, well, yeah. it gives everybody time to look at it and make sure they dive into it and make their decision on what they want to do. You want to come hang with us. You want to go to L.A. because we're taking over Los Angeles for the March 22nd through the 25th. Derek, Kyle, myself will be there with you, hoping that you're there as we team up with Philly Sports Trips and we go take on the town. I don't, we're going to do a lot of stuff with the Clippers and the Lakers. Two games, you get two games, hotel, stay, flight. You also have an option of um, not taking the full package there, but also just coming, you know, to handling it yourself, but also getting there to hang out with us out there in L.A. So make sure you go to allphly.com slash event and, and check out the, the deal that we have there. Again, a takeover, a road trip, PHLY road trip to Los Angeles, March 22nd through the 26th. And uh, we are looking forward to a great time out there. I missed the Colorado trip with those these guys here for you didn't training camp. Miss a whole lot so, in Colorado. So, so we might yeah. have a little more fun on this one. I, I mean, we, no we went out once or twice. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, I was. I, yeah. I no like disrespect to, to Fort Collins, Colorado. It was a beautiful town. I had a, a nice time there. It is not Los Angeles. I put you it just that didn't way. go up and go get up early and go hiking with me the one time. It was your fault, that, buddy. I, your I heard fault. the words get up early and I immediately <laughs> checked out after that part. So, well, we hope to see you there again. Check it out. All PHLY.com. Find it. Check it out. See what you can do. Come to, Cal- some, come to Cali with us. Come hang out in Los Angeles in March as we get ready for the postseason after taking on the two L.A. teams there. So it should be fun. Yeah, buddy. Guys, the super chats are coming in They're fast rolling and furious. In. I'm just the on this Saturday the super night. chat narrator over here. We got one from our guy Furious. Says it doesn't look like the Sixers will make a big move. Historically, waiting until the summertime for free agency doesn't work. Tend to agree with that. So, do you guys think the Sixers do two smaller moves before the deadline? I, I mean, Furious. I will direct you to. We did do a the OG Ananobi yep. quickly trade pod today where I did I that was kind of my takeaway was I, I think some of the big pieces being off the board and the other pieces that are out there, big big names, Levine, Siakam, so on, are not guys I think the Sixers are particularly interested in. Has me thinking quieter deadlines, smaller moves, but I don't know, have you guys changed your stand or have you thought any more about that in the hours since I last talked to you about the trade deadline. <laughs> I mean, so much comes down to the details on that. Like, wh- who does Daryl Morey project will be available? Um, because I agree with you, the free agency signing isn't typically a hotbed, but maybe the trade activity around there or around the draft could end up being enticing, especially because the Sixers would have a little more flexibility in how many first-round picks they could include at the at the draft. Basically, right now, they can include up to um, three future first-round picks in a trade uh, and that's true through the deadline. But if you wait until the draft, you can essentially include five picks, one of them being a player you select with the 2024 pick that you can then wait a little while until the, the, the calendar flips and you can trade the rights to that player. So you have more flexibility in that regard. But that would be, you'd really be waiting until the last possible moment and putting yourself at risk of not being able to maximize this and also throwing, not throwing away, but limiting your chances during the stretch run. So it's definitely a risk. The question is, who does Daryl Project could ask out or request a trade over the coming months and the future, and who becomes available and what their price is? Like, 
right now there's talk of Caruso and two first round picks and that's just too much. Yeah. But yeah. if that price drops, yep. then maybe that changes the equation. And look, yeah, we're five weeks, five and a half weeks away. Stuff could change. Like players could become available. Teams could continue to struggle. Like I think part of the reason that Toronto maybe made this now is because they what finally accepted. What if John Morant does their... a dance that people think is going to get him <laughs> suspended again? You know, you never know. <laughs> um, you know, but Toronto struggling changed the equation a little bit. Uh, Scotty's ascension changed the equation a little bit. There could be more that comes over the next couple of weeks that uh, makes someone become available that you're not expecting. We'll see. There's always someone. There's always one, and it's a week before the trade deadline, and you're like, oh. All right, now we're underway. Buckle up, baby. Yeah, exactly, yeah. because we didn't see that one happening, and then that's when the other push for the other players that we may have heard, they, they eventually get moved. But, yeah, right now, if I had to answer that question, which I, I guess I do because, you know, you donate it, so I'll answer the question, <laughs> uh, which is, yeah, I, I'm more along the lines of the, the, the smaller, smaller number, the role player, uh, if, if you can get two and, and balance out the, the rotation a little bit more because we talked about earlier, Kyle mentioned – and, and Derek talked about it also, the six of your rotation in the playoffs. When you look at Boston, they have a secure six. And you look at Denver, their six last season was a little bit questionable, but it worked for them and how they got it done. Everyone was playing their best basketball at the right time. And they had an elite player, of course, in Nikola Jokic. But if Embiid is, and, and Derek talked about this two weeks ago, if we can get to the postseason and Embiid finally, finally get an opportunity to look at Joel Embiid healthy, and you see what Maxi is doing going into the postseason. Maybe Harris is still here. The same for Batum and Melton. They are not sent away. And you add two other players. Then you might look at it and say, and Kelly Oubre is your sixth, but you have a combination of uh, offensive and defensive players. Kyle talked about where you have a, a, a guy that's basically a, a combination of a full player that you might have that seven and a half rotation players for the postseason with some sprinkles here for some other things that will get you through those those playoff runs so right now I would say the role player is not a star player I don't think that's where we are right now but as Derek mentioned this could change in four weeks it could change very very fast and then we're looking at it saying I didn't expect that name who else is going to open up we there might be another team that goes on a 12 game losing streak that we don't expect. And then they're like, all right, blow it up now because we don't have anything. There's nothing for us to do. And, and that's the direction that they want to go. And they change paths very quickly. I would say this too. I, I, I've been one of the leaders of the, I, I think they're out of the Levine business. As Derek is talking about the, you know, the market forces and who's available, who's not going into the deadline. And as Chicago plays, you know, relatively well without them, they were on a little streak for a while. I think, Vucevic getting hurt impacts that a little bit, but still playing competent, you know, team-friendly basketball. I wonder if there just reaches a point where Levine's value is so low Whoa. that it's like they it, struggle one night offensively against no, no, the Bulls no, no, and that, you're back on I'm team saying Levine. It has nothing Jeez. to do with that. I just wonder the if price like, is not as high anymore. If the Bulls continue to like, oh, I don't know. Do we want this guy back? And if they're trying to build a culture and whatever. And we just get to a point where it's like almost like a cousin of the Bradley Beal trade to Phoenix where it's like, well, if you're going to give the guy away, like they got him for essentially nothing in Phoenix. Now, it hasn't worked out for Phoenix, so maybe there's a big lesson there for <laughs> the Sixers and lots of other teams. But I, I think just in general, there's probably always a, a price threshold where it's like, 
All right, the talent bet is too significant to ignore it entirely. I'm not moving off of my corner. I'm just saying I do wonder if you could get Daryl Morey to take a, a truth serum. One bad shooting night and Kyle's on Levine. No, Island. no, no. Don't misrepresent my <laughs> Hey, man, he might get hot in the here. playoffs and send you to the finals. You never know. Hey, listen, if I have to watch another Tobias Harris game like that in the playoffs, I Maybe I'll be going back saying cursing myself for not stumping for Zach Levine harder. I don't know. That's this was not to circle back to the game a little bit. I feel like we've gone into big picture stuff. Another just like bad Tobias game, like more more representative of the month prior than the week prior. Was in a good groove, and you know you can put him in that bucket of didn't have much fatigue, all that, but. Boy, I would have hoped the, to the get a little bit more it, yeah. from him. <laughs> and, and we had a comment in the, in the in the chat there where it mentioned earlier in the, in the part of the show where Tobias, you would like for Tobias to give them a chance, e- even though they were essentially out of it the entire game. Tobias is is the the player that he is. He's in his role as that third scorer. When one is down, like Embiid is, we've seen it: 33, 20, 27, 23, 22. Give another one of those, and before it got out of hand, because it was closer, that Tobias does give them that opportunity. And, and again, he, he, he did not. And that's where people, they're, they're ready to jump right back on him because of, of something like that. And you're right, though, because if it was, let's say MB was out, and, and, and I mean, MB was out and Levine was here, nine times out of ten, we're probably at least guessing that he gave a much better offensive performance a threat to keep this would have taken more shots i don't know if he would have made all of them now look tobias (laughs) tobias 16 and maxi 22 those were your two highest 13 for kelly Oubre. good to see him shooting the ball too where he shot five last night but they had a lot of shooters not a lot of makers correct that's the the old those three combined to shoot two four uh 16 from three and it's a good night. both of those makes were Tyrese's. So Tobias and Kelly combined oh for, for 0 for 8 yep. from 3. Not, 0 for 8 for 3. Not, uh, not going to get, get it done. Not going to get it done. Not going to get it done. But um, shifting a little bit uh, as we as we hear on this Saturday night, and uh, we have one more Super Chat. We got right, a couple more, more Super well, Chats. Let's get the Super Chat in from Davon, a.k.a. Schoolboy Beats. He says, uh, could have gotten Boogie and Wall, John Wall. For what they paid Mo Bamba. And they would have gotten just as much productive basketball in 2023. You would have been pulling your hair out. I really like both those guys at their peak, but they are both hella washed. They are cooked. Uh, That says more about where they're at than Bamba, who has been not very good for a while. At least least Boogie and John Wall had their moments in the sun, respectively. Where's Boogie this year? No, he just signed on for like a a couple of weeks somewhere. Okay. Did, oh, that's right. Did, it was just a, like a four-week contract. Or he like worked out for yeah, some team. Why am I It may not have been this. in China anymore. Maybe he went to another country. Was he in Mexico Maybe it was Mexico, but it was some weird deal where it was. Oh, no, no, no. I completely forgot. He signed a deal to play with the Taiwan Beer Leopards. Oh, we talked about that recently. Because I want the Taiwan yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer Leopards merch. That's like the, one of the greatest names I've ever Taiwan heard Taiwan Beer life. Leopards. If you send me a hoodie, I, my solemn promise to the Taiwan Beer Leopards, 
I will wear that at least once a week. <laughs> I would even maybe do two. I'll wash that thing till I'll be clean and all that and <laughs> eco-friendly. You, and Think you, about it, Taiwan Beer Leopards. And, and Taiwan Beer Leopards, you might, you might as well give Kyle a, a Kyle Newbeck night at Taiwan Beer Ooh. Leopards. Give him a night. Give him a night. I don't know what else is going on there, but giving Kyle Newbeck night, that would, that would get you a lot done there. Uh, in that spot. Uh, uh, there are no delusions of grandeur here that <laughs> that's all. going to happen or that anybody would care about it. Bill with another super chat in here for us. Guys, I'm scared. Maury isn't going to make a big trade to help the Sixers offense in the playoffs. By the way, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year to you also, Bill. Be safe out there. Have a good one. Good 2024. Hope to see you more here during the show. We, we don't know yet. It, it's tough to say right now. They were out on the Ananobi piece here not more for the offensive stuff but more of the two-way play and his defense but we we don't know that just yet bill so i would say hang in there yeah look i feel like i remember talking to rich hoffman a while back not the rich that we work with but his, his father and he's like the best teams to cover are the good teams but not great teams, right? Because if you're like the Warriors from their dynasty, like you win every night, nobody has any expectations, nobody gets angry on the off night that they lose. You just wait for the playoffs and check out. And there's too many people around the team. Yeah, but like a a, a good team but not a great team, like there's ups and downs. There's peaks and valleys. There's always something to talk about. There's always people who are getting angry or people who are getting excited, but there's always emotion. And I feel like that's a little bit with the trade deadline too where like – you get your emotion up and then a trade happens and now you feel defeated. Nothing's going to happen and doom and gloom. And I feel like with both, I tend to be a little bit of a wet blanket where it's just like, you don't have to react this harsh. Like we'll get new information tomorrow. We'll get new information at the trade deadline. Like things will change. Another game will be played or another move will be made. We just don't know what's going to happen. And as I'm saying this, I realize this is probably bad marketing because we want you to tune in every day and live with those <laughs> highs and lows. But it's also a little bit how I'm wired where it's just calm down. Like a trade happened. You weren't part of it. It doesn't mean it's the last player that's going to become available. Stuff's going to happen. I don't know if that stuff that's going to happen and who's going to become available will fit what the Sixers are looking for. I'm not promising that. But just because it didn't happen now doesn't mean it can't happen. And I think Kyle and I both said it. Like, we both think this might indicate that there's a chance that they go the role player route, in part because I think we don't know if there will be a star or a close to star level available, but also in part because those role players, their value might be depressed. Um, they might be cheaper than we expected, especially if they have an expiring contract, but we just don't know. So I, I would just caution, like, you don't have to overreact right now. I know right now emotions are high because you see this team close and you want them to get something significant done to take advantage of this moment. I think we all sort of feel that way as well. We n- might not be fans in the traditional sense, but I think we would all love to see a deep playoff run and a potential title run. Calm down. A lot of times we'll trade deadlines still. Zen Master Bodner over here. Just, By the way, uh, I agree with you. You didn't just have to say Kyle. I agree with you. That role <laughs> player trade. You know, I agree with you. You just left me out, folks. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. He gave me some headache medicine. I, I think I need to take my headache medicine because now I have a headache. Uh, yeah, where is the uh, <laughs> migraine medicine is somewhere around here. We, can... um, the, 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 we talked about this a little bit earlier. I asked you guys at the end of our emergency podcast earlier. The Detroit Pistons snapping their 28-game losing streak. I wanted it to continue. Hang the fucking banner. They won a game. That's right. Keep it going, man. It's a good conversation. They beat the Toronto Raptors by two. 
by two. Oh, the final score was a it was two. A two oh. point game. Oh man, two point those game. last two minutes took. It must have taken fifteen minutes. Like that, the fouls every trip down was just agonizing. And Kyle, at the end of the game, while he didn't know the score, he played the audio of. <laughs> <laughs> the celebratory <laughs> vibes in oh, the great city man. of Detroit. It was too they're, good. They're going to have a ticker tape parade. Dude, it's so Go bad. For it. The owner. Go. It's so bad that the owner of the Pistons put out a goddamn statement after a single <laughs> win in two months. That's You are down horrendous. That's bad. I mean, look, they were to chanting in the stands two weeks ago. Sell, Sell the, the team. team. Sell the team. So he felt like he had to make a statement and talk about their, their wherewithal to, to not quit and to continue to fight. Boy, now they're going to go on and lose 12 in a row. And I just want to be clear. They are the sole owners of that record. I don't want to hear nothing about a multi-year streak. That's nonsense. Different players, different teams. This is the record. Done. I'm in total agreement with it's you. Not, it's madness that they like lump two different teams on two different seasons with two different rosters in as one losing streak. Yeah. I, and I almost feel like we should have this. Like, I'll, I'll let you cook. Calm down. No, no, no. I wanted to build off another point that you I made. Just, I, so like, I, I feel like this should be like a process thing. So like, it's not even like I, I, it's not, I'm not saying that because I'm a Sixers fan. I just think logically it doesn't yeah. make sense to have a multi-year streak. I agree. I agree. I wanted to circle back on something you were talking, you telling all of our listeners to calm down, basically, leading into the deadline. I think something to keep in mind, like, so there's the publicly available names and guys, right? And there's the guys like Alex Caruso, who just, it's not that Chicago is like dying to trade Caruso. He's a good player who helps them win. And if they can keep him, or they don't get a good enough offer, they will likely continue to employ him on their team. I think it's important to remember there are a lot of other good role players around the league that maybe they're just looking for something different on their team. Like, great example for the Sixers. I don't think a single one of us were like, yeah, the the Grizzlies are itching to trade DeAnthony Melton, when they traded him yep. to the Sixers totally surprised. on draft night, was a big surprise. It essentially traded a first for him. No disrespect to Danny Green, but was coming off a major injury. Knew they wasn't going to play. So they swap a first for Melton. And Melton, you know, for his warts, and he's been a real roller coaster player throughout his time here, been a very solid role player for the Sixers. I am sure if the Sixers really wanted to, they could make moves like that. That's why I think somebody, like I, we've mentioned him the other day, I think Atlanta Bogdanovich, name to keep an eye on, as a guy who, like, the team is not good enough there. They're looking for avenues to improve, or maybe this is a scale-back year where they look at their books, they look at their future picks that they have, and they say, well, this guy's a six-man for us. We have a crowded backcourt, all that. Maybe we move him. And you have to think, like, I think that's bigger than, that's bigger than, like, a Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright, backup point guard type move. But it's certainly not the OG Ananobis, the Levines, the Siakams. There's a wide spectrum of moves that can be made between now and February. Just because I think they're probably not making, or doesn't look likely that they're making a major move, does not mean that they can't significantly improve this team between now and the deadline. Yep. And someone like Atlanta Bogdanovich is perfect because even if you acquire him now for the stretch run, 
you can if let's say you need to be um you know aggressive at the the draft because like i mentioned they have a little more flexibility in draft assets that they can trade at the draft he's still going to have positive value unless like his yes. foot falls off teams around the league are going to value him you can include him in a trade even if you spend assets now it's not like a, a, a something where it's going to devalue itself um so you can still be relatively flexible those are the kind of moves and again we're speculating about this he's not even on the, the market so we don't know what it would cost but those are the kind of moves that would make sense both as a chance to try to win now and maximize this opportunity they have while also retaining some kind of flexibility. Brandon just asked what in Daryl mm -hmm. Morey's history shows that he values role players. I mean, he traded four for second round picks for George Hill while he oh, was God, running this very up? team. It's not like he's never made moves for non-stars. I like You just I, brought up the Anthony Melton. I, I again that's two different trades he's made here that they're trading actual assets to get role players. So like I I, I agree. To some extent, with his point, sure. certainly during he's his a star time hunter. in Houston, That's he's, he's a star hunter. I think the CBA fundamentally changes things, though, and I think Daryl has always been very in, in tune with the CBA. Uh, so, am I saying that he's now going to change his philosophy and not hunt stars? No, I'm not saying that at all. But there is a, a significant change in this entire equation, and now we sort of have to see how Daryl reacts and adjusts to that change. SB Cole wants Danny Green back. Wave Mobamba and bring Danny Green back. <laughs> <laughs> people were the, dude there's this one that, guy i don't remember who it is not in not in the comments of our shows yeah. or in the chat somebody on twitter i believe who was coming at me acting like i was saying that danny green was michael jordan it's like no he had like a decent preseason for a guy who looked completely cooked months before that and it was an interesting story like we thought he was oh that's a camp guy fringe roster player who looked like he was in the mix made the roster and then you know the james harden trade happens and they need space and away he went but yeah so i would rather he be on the roster than mobamba currently but there was some cap reasons for that a little bit of financial wiggle room yeah. that they got cutting one guy over the other guys before we say goodbye for our final time of 2023 i wanted to ask you about 2023 because there are two parts to 2023 the start of the 23-24 campaign and certainly the end of the 22-23 season uh, where they were uh, eliminated in the second round again in game seven against the Boston Celtics. Uh, some of your most memorable moments of 2023 Sixers yeah. basketball. Mm. Good, bad, whatever it might be. Well, Derek memorable. is already leaning towards bad. I can hear it in his little mean, We, we discussed this there. a little bit beforehand, but the good and the bad for me are like right after each other. And Devon had a, when I have a slight disagreement, so we'll get into that. But it's okay. the good is game five of the Celtics series, and the bad was game seven of the Celtics series. And those are the two defining moments. Game five was the first time, I think, watching this. Not, that's not true, the, the Toronto series. But the first time watching this team since then that you went, oh, they have a chance to like They're gonna really contend. Like right. they have a chance to not only get to the conference finals, but get to the finals. Things break their way like they could they're, they're going to beat the Celtics. I really believed after game five, they were going to win that series against yep. a team that I thought was the best team in the East against a team that has been their nemesis. That was a Embiid and Maxi at their apex. And then it just all fell apart. And then, sure, game six was devastating. And I'm sure sure you'll get into that. But game seven, I talked myself into, oh, they have a chance to go up there to Boston and do what nobody else expects them to do right now. And boy, did they make me look like a dumbass. 
That was a real because t- it's one thing. And to remember, come out. they were down by two. Not the first time. The won't be the last for all but, of us. They were down by two points at halftime on the road in Game Seven, and no one really played well. But they were yeah. down by two. Yeah. Because well, PJ came out shooting the goddamn yes, lights out in that yes, game somehow. But man, it was just like it was how much of your feeling about this team, about Joel Embiid, about this era of Sixers basketball, were determined in a you know, 72-hour stretch or whatever it is. And it's one thing to come out in Game 7 and lose if shots don't go in or Jason Tatum just goes bonkers, which he did. But the effort just not being there was just, I think, devastating for this this fan base. And to their credit, they've come out and answered that in pretty much any way that they could to start this season. But for a lot of fans, it still doesn't override that. You would just believe and so many different people within this organization, mostly Joel Embiid, but really just about everyone, if they had found a way to get one of those two games. Good. The people need to hear <laughs> some positivity right now. That was a miserable game tonight. And Derek, you were right to go where you went. I have three moments that stood out to me in a good way. Two of them are connected. It was Joel dominating Jokic in that game that I think in a lot of ways decided that MVP race, it was the biggest statement game that I think anyone made in an individual matchup. Nationally televised on a Saturday. Saturday ABC, baby. It doesn't get bigger than that <laughs> during the NBA regular season. So Joel doing that and then Joel winning the MVP and being there for his speech, having his son come out, watching Joel show those emotions. Yep. I know for a lot of people including, I'm sure, a lot of people in this stream right now. All that doesn't really matter. It's like he's got to win in the playoffs. He's got to do this. But as someone who's written about Joel, covered Joel for so long now, knows his backstory and what he went through with his brother and the injuries and everything else, and frankly, to come into the league in the way that he did with so little practical basketball experience – and see him become the player that he is and has been the last few years is just really cool for me as someone who's got a front row seat to it all the time. And it's just like that's what you show up to the arena for. It's why you do this every day to some extent to like see if you get glimpses of greatness and, and watch that maturation process of guys from, you know, guy drinking gallons of Shirley Temples to somebody who has a case to be the best basketball player on planet earth. So those, those two things really stood out to me. And then the third one, and it's one of the only ways I'll give Doc Rivers credit when he in Brooklyn made the comment where, <laughs> where he said, instead of saying <laughs> what he should have said, he said, you don't play with your meat <laughs> and didn't realize what he said. And, and then they com- the and no, and then he no they completed the sweep against Brooklyn and before he starts his press conference and takes questions he sits down at the podium and he goes so my players inform me <laughs> it's don't play with your food <laughs> and i think it's the hardest uh, that i've laughed at, at something doc said during the time he was here in the moment and, <laughs> and the, the meme that has lived on of it's just like doc like one of those stock quote memes where it's 
dock and then it just says don't play with your meat like that whole 24 hours of nonsense really just killed me it really was there's there have been twice during a press conference that i've just like audibly laughed like you make it a chuckle every now and then but like audibly laughed like i'm worried that's going to show up on um you know the broadcast once we were in a i forget which coach it was it was so long ago but there was a flyers beat reporter that said a player took three shits in a period. <laughs> Obvious typo, but I just started crying. I couldn't hold myself back. And the other was that Doc Rivers moment. That's funny. And for him to come out the next day and bring it up himself to clarify, it was a, a rare bit of real legitimate humor. It was great. That's funny. Doc was something, man. He, he left a lot. He left he a sure lot of food on something. the table, folks, for us to mess with him. He left some meat on the table. Yes, You're he right. did. Yes, he did. <laughs> I'll just give one because Derek mentioned my other one, which was game six. I was furious and just how they played. You know, not it's not the fandom part. It's just I expected them to win that game. And even when they were shooting poorly and they're defending the hell out of Jason Tatum, he's shooting terribly. They're like, oh, he's... Don't let them hang around, but they're going to still win this game. It was the carryover from how well they played in game five to game six, which really just ticked me off sitting here watching how they allowed themselves to not win that when, and oh, by the way, Tobias Harris only took three shots in that game, two of which were in the first, first quarter. Is, that, is, that, is, there a, is there a theme there? Yeah. Let's move on to a good one. The other good one, great ones from the guys, and B when he dropped the 60 against the Jazz. That mm -hmm. was something because – the Sixers stunk overall as a team. And many, you, you hear it, well, they keep giving him the ball. He's going to have to be the one to score. Everybody else standing around. No, they were really bad that day. That's, it was a Sunday night game. I think it was like a 6 o'clock start. And they were just bad. He wasn't. I remember rolling into the arena like 6 p.m. against yeah. the fucking Jazz, jazz. on a Sunday. And, Get me out of here. In the City Edition unis. <laughs> and and, and I, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, this guy is rolling. And where I was sitting that day, because I was off, so I was there. Even though I wasn't, I was by the Sixers bench. And while I was there, you could just see P.J. Tucker ticked off every time he came down the floor, standing in the corner, going to the bench, whatever it was. And he, it was bad. It was really bad, but he was great. He didn't get ticked off enough to hit a shot, by the way. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's, let's slow that down, right? But it was to the point where Kyle said, sometimes you just sit back and you just witness, you just witness greatness. And he had that on full display that day. It was the free throws. It was the finishing at the rim. It was him. His layup, which I call it, at the elbow, where that's a layup shot for him, where he shoots at such a high percentage. And he was, he was really giving it to them in that game on that Sunday night. And that was one of the best performances that I had seen from him and a great player. And we've seen a lot being in that building over the years with visiting players and, of course, the home team. But that was one for me that stood out last season yeah. or the calendar and, year. I mean, to Kyle's point, like I remember sitting up there in Boston – which was a little odd that they announced the MVP while he was up there, but sitting up there in Boston and, and, and interviewing him and watching him talk about the experience and his journey and going through all that. And again, I think some Sixers fans might be jaded because they haven't had the postseason success or whatever. But when you can watch a guy who picked up the game at 15-16 and be legitimately recognized as the best basketball player in the world, how could that not mean the world to him. Like, I don't understand why we have to make this argument of does he care about the championship or the MVP? No, you can, you can multitask. You can, you can do both. The skills that allow you to become the best player in the world also tend to also allow you to, uh, to compete in the playoffs. It was 
Which game was that before? That was before game... Game three? Five? If it, I thought it was early in the series. I, yeah, I think yeah, you might be right, but I don't remember being game five because I feel like they lost Because he, he did the acceptance speech during either before game three or four, so it had to have been yeah, yeah, between yeah. One, one and two, two I think. Okay. Um, but to, to have, have just watched him get that opportunity, it was just a lot of hard work from his perspective went into that. Uh, and it was nice to see him rewarded for and that. that, for sure. that brings, makes me think of the video that the team released when... Yeah, with, and with him having Arthur there, and that was cool, too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yep. Pretty cool. Well... You just, you're not going to see many of those in franchise history. Like, it's, a, it's an incredible moment for Embiid, obviously, and mostly, but for the franchise, for the fans. And I, I do... It's a shame that it went so downhill so quickly for the team because I think it almost gets glossed over. Yeah, and, and I think, it, should he win it again this year, and they continue to play this well and surprise well, many. Well, not this well, as in well, tonight. I mean, when this he's well on the floor in general. <laughs> this season, and he's on the floor, and they surprise people maybe and defeat Boston again in maybe the second round or Milwaukee in the second round in advance, and he gets it again, maybe advancing even further than that, I, I think people would appreciate it even more. But 100%. hey, folks, then you're just simply talking about a two-time MVP, and that's not nothing. That, I, that's not nothing. Listen. When the talent where many people say this is the best collection of talent in a long time in the NBA, you can't scoff at that as if it's nothing. Enjoy oh, the sir. game. Enjoy the game, folks. <laughs> you're, you're watching some good stuff. And Enjoy I got one place. more, too. Not necessarily the Sixers themselves. We started the damn show and the company this year. Well, and two of us did. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I just... I just uh, just tag along, man. <laughs> just tag along. <laughs> so, uh, listen, I will say this about that. I see people in here right now who were also with us basically unprompted at 3 o'clock in the afternoon today to talk about a random OG Ananobi trade between the Knicks it and Raptors. Did not even involve the Sixers. Did not involve no. the Sixers. And Malachi Flynn, folks, don't forget about him. <laughs> yeah. You're on it, baby. <laughs> All that is to say, look, we see so many of these same people every single day. People are spending an hour, hour and a half, two hours in a single day, five plus hours a week with us here as we're talking about the same team, the same league day in and day out. I know I can speak for all of us when I say we appreciate that a great deal. Hoping for bigger and better things in 2024. We're going to have some watch parties coming up. We obviously have the the trip to L.A. that we hope you guys will join us on. And we're just going to continue to try to build this. And hopefully the Sixers cooperate and build some positive memories for everyone. And we can, as Devon is talking about, maybe Joel wins an award. Maybe they go deeper. Maybe we can do some cool journeys together Correct. over the you know the coming years but uh, as i do every time i will shout out some of my people js and jay of the jungle and kenneth and stacy sam bill brandon i know x-man was hating in the chat today but it was good to see you. i don't think we've seen you at least i don't remember seeing you before rohan brandon joe socks espy phil i think that's another phil liam i don't know if i saw I'm a little worried I haven't seen Two Minute Warning. Our guy Al, man. He was a, there earlier today. Okay. He's got to send out an APB he, on he's, Al. He's, he's, Al is starting his, uh, <laughs> his New Year celebration right hey. now. And we're not mad at him. Not mad, not at, mad at, all. at him. Our guy Ash, we gotta, I think Furious was here today. Love each and every one of you guys. Davon with the super chat there. Damon, a.k.a. Bill, Bernard. Schoolboy Beats. There you go. Yeah. Bernard yeah. is with us all the time. 
Thank you guys, as always, for being with us. It means quite a bit to me. I know I play up the, like, makes me happy to get the thumbs up and subscribe to the channel and do all that, but it means much more to me to see so many of you here every single day interacting with us, talking about this team with us, and that's... It's been one of the great fulfilling things of uh, the last few months of this year. And Just, after I, Derek and Kyle started this podcast, I appreciate <laughs> Derek letting me tag along for the last couple of weeks as I, I, I came here to, to, to jump in here and, and join all of you. But honestly, look, as, as I said when these guys gave me the floor when I, when I got here in early December, that I'm, I'm really excited about this and we can't do it without you. I, I know I say that quite often when we do sign off. But I'm very happy. I, I, I loved what I did before this. I really did. I'm still very friendly. I'm, those are my people at my former place. And, uh, but I am, along this new journey, very excited to work with Derek and Kyle. I have known them for many years. Uh, we couldn't do a lot of things together for reasons. Uh, but the respect was there. And the respect is there for you all. And I definitely have a, a, a huge amount of respect for these two for what they do, and I'm very excited to jump into 2024 and start 2024 and not September like I couldn't with these guys, but start 24 off on couldn't. the, on the, right, only, on the look, right foot. Devon, with, it was with only them. 59 shows in a row that you missed. <laughs> only That's 59. All. All. I got off to a really good start, man. Really good start. Uh, but uh, I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for these guys. So, guys, Happy New Year to you. I'm looking forward to the new year uh, of our podcast and continuing. And to do you want to hang say something as Devon and I get up on the soapbox, Derek, or just ride off into the sunset? No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I said my piece. <laughs> and Bree, thank you. Thank you. It's good to have Bree here with us every show. Absolutely. Making every our show. lives easier from the other side. So, folks, happy new year to all of you. Be safe out there. Have a good time. We hope to see you in 24. Bree, happy new do year to you. Do not drink and drive. Do not call drink an Uber, and drive. Call a friend, call a family member. Just be safe. That's that all is, I ask. That is the biggest one. Be safe. We'll see 100%. you on Tuesday post game. Oh, Tuesday. I didn't, Tuesday. I didn't look that far in the future. Tuesday post game. I know they post Sunday game. and Monday. Tuesday, Tuesday post, post game. game. We will be back. Happy New Year, everybody. Mm -hmm.